Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. We're back with another episode of Outdoor Country Talk. Poole, man, this is our first episode that we're doing, I guess, officially in the 2021 hunting season, uh, excluding, I guess, dove and teal season, but deer season has started down here. Duck season's right around the corner, and um, yeah, man, what you up to? Everything and anything. If I ain't chasing a chap, we're trying to get something done at the farm or something at the office. It's, uh, it's, it's just one of them round the world back again and never seem to catch up type things. I know exactly what you mean, and you probably you probably know what I mean too. Whenever we're trying to line up to record a podcast, and I'm like, "Well, yeah, I can do it in this ten minute time slot." It seems like, and then uh, we're striking off to this motocross race, or I've got this to do, and man, it's 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 busy times. Well, I know you've got a fun field weekend, and well, I know it was bad when. We have a fishing trip that we won a year ago at a skeet shoot <laughs> lined up for Friday, and you're skipping the fishing trip for a motocross race with the boys because you'd already yeah. already pre-assigned that. And uh, and the funny thing is, is we've already planned the fishing trip twice around something else you had mm-hmm. going on, and said, "All right, this date will be perfect. This one I can do no." But uh, it looks like Mr. Luke's gonna fill in for you. Uh, he said he would. Uh, try to catch every fish he could and nobody in the boat so I'm gonna... i guarantee you if there's anybody that can fill my shoes it's gonna be luke yeah i, I have he... full i have full confidence i think that. he's in a size 11 now so uh if he can't fill them I, he's he's doing a better chance of it than i am <laughs> at least filling them in that direction yeah i mean get a we went went a free fishing trip from what it was one of our skeet shoots wasn't it and yep the brent mcmillan that fundraiser that they do oh well it'll be all right y'all catch them and uh bring me a bag of fish back yeah we'll be down at coca drew with mr kuda shear down at uh isn't it shear charters i think so i think that's what it is i think that's how they go uh it's kuda and uh mr stew which i don't think we're gonna see mr stew this trip but we'll we'll be down there with kuda fishing he said the redfish ought to be ought to be biting hard and plentiful so we'll we'll see how that rock and rolls well y'all just bring me a bag of fish and i'll uh i'll be content i'll i'll be able to handle i know y'all send me plenty of pictures and all kind of good stuff to rub it in a little bit well we got to have content for the show you know that's right you know you were talking about you know deer season starting up and i've got to go a couple times it's been a little slow this year the uh had some pigs come through first morning thought i was gonna get a shot and then day before the Sunday evening, I got a chance to ease up in a stand and was trying to get a, a doe on film. And she got within about four steps of where I needed her to, to really be able to see her clear and get everything in. And it was three of them in that little group. Well, the far back one went to snorting and I'm like, there ain't no way they smelled me. So I, <laughs> I get to looking kind of peeking around a tree where there's an eight point, a spike behind me, you know, not a, not a shootable deer, nothing I'm going to shoot. Uh, well, they're blowing at them, so nothing comes any closer to me. And about 10 minutes later, the does have eased off, and the, the eight-point and the little spike still behind me. Well, all of a sudden, the eight-point starts blowing, and I'm like, what's he blowing at? You know, he still ain't – nothing's nothing's got wind of me. I know where I'm sitting. 
there's about a 150-pound hog up on the hill up underneath the oak tree mm. that is going to town under it about 65, 70 yards from me where I can't get a clean shot with a bow, a rifle I'd have been able to pop him. But he mills around under the tree. Now, I've got a feeder. I've got hog bait. I've got everything out right in front of me and want nothing come down to it. I said, you know, that's about my luck. Here I am. I've got the camera set up just right. I'm actually in position where I need to be for once to get something good to put on the show, and I can't get nothing that wants to participate and play with me. So, yeah, that's Nothing wants to play. No, that's about how my season. And all I want is some backstrap. I don't care about a horn. I ain't interested in one. I want oh, some, I know. I want some fresh backstrap in the, in the skillet. Well, I hadn't got a feeder out. I haven't got a camera out. I haven't planted anything, and I hadn't been hunting. So you are leaps and bounds ahead of me. Well, look, for a man that does an outdoor country talk show, we we got to get you speed that up a little bit because I know you got know. a feeder. I know. You know, the good folks at GSM were nice enough to send us feeders, so I know you got a brand new feeder. I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it to use. I'm gonna I'm gonna just uh. I'm gonna quit buying gas for these dirt bikes, and maybe maybe my hunting will pick up. You think? <laughs> it, oh, it would man. definitely hit. Well, we'll see. Yeah, you know, after we get in from the fishing tip Friday night, I've got to head to McGee Saturday morning because both girls, even though they're in different age groups, have softball tournaments in McGee Saturday morning at the butt crack of dawn. We'll be there playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for an all-day event, I told my wife, "Just get ready. She may get to drive to this one. I may, <laughs> I may snooze on the way over, depending on what time we get back from Cocodry Friday." You, you may, you may play the role of me whenever we go. We take your truck duck hunting, huh? Yeah, yeah. I may get over in the seat over and go to sleep <laughs> like somebody else I know will. Oh man, isn't that the truth? But anyway, we got a great show lined up today with one of our buddies. Uh, from Texas, going to be on with us, and uh, it's going to be a great show, I think. Who we got, Jake? Well, y'all, ladies and gentlemen, today we have Mr. Sean Robinson with Ira Salsa out of Lufkin, Texas. Bud, we're glad you could make it with us today. Hey, I appreciate it. I was giggling a little bit in the background listening to Jeremy talk about not having any of his stuff done, because, brother, I feel you. <laughs> You're right there with me, huh? Man, I got the I got field mode. I got all this great stuff I'm gonna do, and then something knocks on the door and says, "Not today, Junior." Uh huh. And I know that's, that's just exactly, the way it is. That's exactly the, the only thing that I have gotten done. Well, I'm not gonna take credit for it. Is that uh, is that everything is mowed, and my and my dad was able to do that because he had the mower hooked up, taking care of some other stuff around the property. He said, "Hey, I'm gonna go ahead and knock the food pots down, and get them ready for you." Well, uh, we probably got to make another lap with that before uh, before I get there to to get anything planted. But we, we'll get there. Nah, just throw some nah, extra weight it. on that disc. Get a yeah. cut. It. You, oh yeah. You just make an extra lap or two with the disc. Get a get right on through. That's right. That's right. Well, Sean, I guess kind of get into your side of things. Tell everybody kind of where y'all are from, and and I guess that'll kind of lead us into to getting us tied together that we have over the last couple of years. Well, my name's like they said. My name's Sean. I, I'm I'm out of Lufkin, Texas, and and uh, we happenstancely have started a salsa company with no intention of actually doing it. So we sell well, we sell two varieties right now. We're in about 18, 18 different places, and you can check it out online at irisalsa.com. It's kind of a funny story, believe it or not. Jacob Jacob's heard part of it. It's kind of weird, and it's. 
it's not uh it's not the way anybody plans on starting a business that's for sure kind of sounds like how this podcast got started that's why when you told me part of it i was like yeah we got to get this on air (laughs) there's too much similarity here for us not to not to get all this together and that's one of the things where you you know i got enough stuff to do let's just add one more thing to it while we're at it well then that one always leads to 12 more so oh yeah it's that that whole squirrel mantra in the middle of doing something a squirrel Mm-hmm. Starting something else. Yeah, we, Ira got a, Ira got a wild hair one day. I don't know. I think we figured it up the other day. It was 16 or 17 years ago. And, uh, decided that she didn't want to go to the store and buy a jar of paste to eat salsa with chips. She's going to try and make her own through trial and tribulation and every other sense of the word. She found up, she found this concoction that she liked that's kind of un- unorthodox in the salsa world because it's not chunky. It doesn't have onions. Kind of weird, but man, it was good. And Ira, and and Ira's your wife? Yeah, Ira's my wife. At the time, she was my girlfriend. (laughs) We were, uh, we were, we were staying at her mom's place. Uh, There's a story behind that that's probably not, probably not fit for a podcast, but, (laughs) um, we were making salsa at at her mom's place with a food processor that was probably 20 years old. And, uh, it kind of started there, and, and there isn't really much of a story up until about 18 or 20 months ago, I guess, almost two years ago, I guess. Um, so a little backstory, I found this recipe online and made it, and it was good, but it wasn't quite up what she was wanting, so she mixed it up and changed a few things, and after about two or three years, she figured out, hey, this is the what I like. And it's and it's not like traditional salsa, piccani sauce that you would get at the store because it's a real fine consistency. And by fine, I mean your your chunks of tomato and whatnot are are pretty small, say probably the size of like a a grain of, of a, a grain of pepper, like black pepper you get that's not crunched up, I guess. Yeah, this it's small. It's a almost. But it, like a soup more than a salsa sometimes or i don't know if that's it's, a, it's yeah no no that's a good one it's not a traditional type salsa it's not something you'd get at a mexican restaurant or a latino restaurant or or what you would get when you go to the store and buy it it's different well over the years friends and friends and family have said hey you, would you mind making salsa and believe it or not you know she'd tell them what to buy they'd bring it to the house and she'd make it wasn't a big deal Makes it, you know, when she makes a batch of salsa, it made about, I don't know, half gallon, three quarters of a gallon of salsa. No big deal. Well, come to about, we'll fast forward up till, to, to year before last, and she was making it for some friends, and they, you know, she'd take it to them, and everything was all fine, well, and good. Well, Emma, our daughter, our youngest daughter, and Jacob, you can attest to this, because you know how softball life is, was playing tournament softball. Well, we got, we went ahead and, and set the team up to play at the Jenny Finch World Series in, in Sulphur. And we were all set to go and, and we were trying to figure out ways to fundraise. And we, you know, we're doing the normal stuff, bake sale, raffles. Well, one of the moms said, Hey, would you mind making some salsa to, uh, sell at the bake sale? You know, I was 
pretty modest. We've been telling her to sell it. She wouldn't do it. She finally said, well, you know, I guess we'll see, we'll see what happens. So she, you know, she's like, well, nobody's going to buy this salsa. It's not going to do anything. Well, she went and bought enough ingredients to make, I, I think it was like 30 or 32 jars of salsa. And this is all fresh, by the way. I mean, it's fresh, fully fresh ingredients. And she goes and she makes 30 jars and they take it to the bake sale. And this is in May of last, May of 2019. She, um, they sold those 30 jars in about 30 minutes. And it was, okay, well, maybe we got onto something. Well, as that fundraiser progressed, we, we did it for two months. And in the first month, we sold 1,600 jars of salsa. Oh, wow. And now mind it, she's making three different variants of salsa. We made a, a regular, which is in between a mild and a medium that you'd get at the store. It's got a little bite, but it's nothing crazy. And then she sold hot, which had more peppers, and it got hotter as you ate it. And then she sold, well, what our friends called extra hot, and it's the, that's our personal favorite. But it, it, it's hot enough that it'd take paint off of some things. The only reason I know is because we had it afterwards. <laughs> and we ended up, we ended up uh, paying for most of the team, you know, gas and whatnot to go uniforms. It was really wild. I think in the in the two months that we did it, we sold, I think, forty five hundred jars of salsa, give or and take. Sean, and Sean, at the time, where were y'all selling it? Just locally, out of your house, or well, word of mouth? Mostly, or? So it was word of mouth. It was Facebook posts. Now, granted, we had we had a full team of parents pushing salsa at this point, and you know, for every jar of salsa that the kids' parents sold or the kids sold, you know, it went to their account, and they, you know, it helped pay their expenses. Or whatever. And we just turned around and we just kept making salsa and it got out of hand personally. She was, we were staying up till three, four in the morning making salsa every night and then turn around, getting back up, going to work, doing our day jobs and then doing it all again. Now, it was a wild period. Not to get too far ahead, but now this is before y'all ever even thought about trying to do this commercially at all, right? No, no. We we were trying to figure out how we were going to keep up. Because people were just, hey, can we get this? Can we get this? We, I knew that we were getting somewhere when we had a lady stop us. It was probably a month after we started selling these for these, these, uh, this fundraiser. And the lady said, I went to a party and I took a jar of your salsa with us and, and we found five other people had brought jars of salsa too. So okay, salsa. maybe we're, maybe we're getting somewhere. Maybe, maybe this is something. Maybe, maybe we should try and do this. Well, the fundraiser ended and we went. We, I, th- I think we had raised enough for the kids to pay for their uniforms, their entry fees, that they do a bunch of other stuff and some of the extracurriculars. I don't remember exactly. I'd have to talk to Ira. And after that, we said, okay, maybe this is something that we could do. We actually, um, we came back from Sulphur and said, all right, we're going to try this. And we were, you know, the legalities of food is a huge mountain. To, to overcome as far as what what you need to do, how is it classified, where where, where can you sell it, you know, what can you do? Because we got trouble. We actually got reported to the county not long after we got back from Sulphur. I think we were reported 21 times to the, to the health department. Really? Because we were selling salsa, yeah. 
But, you know, we didn't know. We thought, hey, this is covered under, it's called the cottage food law. You know, we're, we're selling it for a bake sale. Boy, were we wrong. After we, uh, we dug into it, you know, we found out we could have been fined. We put it, could possibly gone to jail, you know, sued, all that kind of stuff. You're going, maybe this isn't what we need to do. So we got shut down by the county and we kind of took our licks and we dug into it trying to figure out, you know, we got something everybody's asking. Um, this may sound a little unorthodox, but a buddy of mine sent me a message. And he said, this is what happened with cocaine in the 80s. You gave it to them and now you take it away and now they don't know what to do. <laughs> um, wow. And, and I'll explain, I'll explain that because the, we used to get a ton of pictures. People would send us pictures of them physically drinking the salsa, not eating it with chips, eating it with a spoon or drinking it out of the bowl. And if you get on our website, I have pictures of kids and people um, that have literally drank our salsa. And I can't say anything because when we made it, I tasted it without chips to make sure the salt's right and everything else. But that's kind of become our mantra. People, people drink it. I, I, it's just one of those things. That, so I guess that's where that acronym or, or that, that reference comes into place. I like it. Um, so we, you know, we thought we had something. So we're like, okay, maybe this is worthwhile. So Ira and I went out and we decided to start studying cottage food law and what we could do. And, and to all expense, you know, dealing with the government is usually a hassle. But the lady that was the health inspector was so nice and so kind and, and was trying you, – you could tell that she wanted us to succeed because she was giving us pointers on what we could do, where we could go, what we needed to look up, you know, how we needed to approach this. And I started reaching out to people that I had seen on social media. Um, Kevin Smith is a perfect example with Smitty's Beard Sauce. Um, I reached out to him. I said, look, man, I don't really know how to proceed with this. Do I build a kitchen, you know, that's going to cost me however many dollars, you know, fire suppression and all this nonsense when all I'm making is fresh refrigerated salsa, right? Or do I try and find somebody to help me make this and give them my recipe? And, and I, I don't know the best way to explain it, but there's a lot of uneasiness doing that. When you got something, you know, you got the tiger by the tail and you're going to give it away. You're kind of like, well, I don't know that this is a good idea. So to get to it, we we got through some hurdles and we got some information and we got a, we got a disclaimer that said that we could sell salsa only at the farmer's market, which the folks at the Angelina County's farmer's market gave us a place to really get started. Um, and it was kind of beneficial for them, too. But we got we went out there and we, we took started with five coolers. We made various numbers of jars of hot, extra hot, and regular. We went out there and we sat for a Saturday. And in about four and a half hours, we had sold 300 jars of salsa on a Saturday in the middle of, in the middle of August. Like it was nothing. Well, our, we, we got a social media presence. We started branding. You know, we got our logo. We, we started working on all of these things and, the next thing you know, every Saturday, people are asking, where's Ira Salsa? And just just to put it out there, Ira hates the name Ira Salsa. <laughs> she wish it was something I was, else. I was wondering if that was going to come up or not. <clears throat> well, 
we uh, she said, I don't want people to call it Irish sauce. I want people to call it Sean's sauce. I want people to call it something else. <laughs> well, sorry, we've already uh, we've already filled out the paperwork here. That's kind of where we're at. That's kind of everybody knows what it is now. So through that, we ended up through the farmers market. We started selling it fresh. We're still selling it fresh at this point. You know, we're meeting refrigerated food guidelines you know, taking temperatures, doing all the things that we need to do to make sure that we're legal in the event that we get checked or the food, the health department comes out or whatever, you know, trying to be the, do the correct way. Well, salsa is very funny. And in about three months, we get shut down again. We got reported again. We got shut down again. In September, well, I say three months, three months from when we started to when we got shut down the second time in September, we found out that salsa is classified separately from anything else that's covered under cottage food because it's an acidified food. If you don't meet certain acid requirements, then you can, you know, cause botulism and all this other kind of stuff, which granted, it's not what we're trying to do. I don't want anybody to seem to think that that's what we're after. So we go back to the drawing board again. We've been shut down. I got people calling me daily. Hey, where's salsa? We need salsa. We're out of salsa. So Ira and I made the decision to go ahead and try to legitimize. You know, and uh, we don't have any, we're, for lack of a better term, we don't have any money tied into this endeavor at all. We don't have the backing to, you know, just go out and build the kitchen or, or go out and, find a packer and just dump all this money into this. This is, you know, it's a side project that turned into a, turned into something. Yeah. At this point, not wanting to take out a massive loan or, or do anything drastic. Well, I mean, you, you're just like everybody else. You got bills to pay. You got other things you got to do. You, you got to make sure your lights are on and everything else. You know, I got, am I going to take a 60 or 70 or 80 or hundred thousand dollar loan to build a, a kitchen to, to make salsa in full time? You know, that I haven't, that I haven't even guaranteed that's going to, you know, turn money. You know, you're, you're, you go through that whole fundraiser phase and you go, okay, well, I'm making money, but everybody knows it's a fundraiser. It's for the kids. So you are going to generate more profit normally than you would under any normal circumstances, right? Because everybody, you know, they're kids. They're going to do something. You see a raffle, you're going to buy a raffle for a kid's team. You see oh, yeah, no cookies doubt. and cupcakes, all that kind of stuff. You're going to do that just as a garbage, person. Garbage bags, kids. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's all these doubts. And uh, Ira and I Ira and I talked it over and talked it over. And we figured a kitchen wasn't our best bet. So we started looking for packers. And a mutual friend of ours had pushed this to somebody in Vicksburg to talk to. Um, and I was tempted to drive out to Vicksburg and start that whole process. I'm glad I didn't because I found somebody that's out of Rusk, Texas. That's about 30 minutes from the house. Yeah, a little closer. So when I have, <laughs> when I have an issue where I need to go pick up product, I can get it pretty quick. But, uh, so we started down that path and, you know, we sat down and we're trying to figure all this stuff out. And, you know, we're trying not to go in debt at this point doing all this stuff and, and there's been funny things that have happened on funny dates that are relative to us with this whole project. And I call it a project because that's what it is. It's something that I do in my spare time. Um, and it's slowly creeping into my full-time, my second full-time job. Um, 
but Ira and I were going through it and we, we got a deal and they, we talked to the guys. Um, they're super, super upfront with us. And they said, you know, um, to, to even get started, it's 500 bucks. Um, you come down, we'll sit and we'll try and make your recipe with our products, with our methods, and we'll go from there. So we said, okay. So we drive, we take the day off and we drive down there and we're talking to the guy and you can tell the guy has had a ton of people in there. And he says, you know, every, every Tom, Dick and Harry says that their stuff's the best or their uncle says their stuff's the best. And they come in and they make one run and one run of their product and then they're done. They don't ever call us back. So we don't, we don't necessarily plan on being this way. We would really like to progress. So. We go, we go and we start making the, we go to start making the thing. And Ira and I are still at this point trying to figure out how in the world we're going to pay for this. We had dug through all the cash that we had, tried not to touch our bank account, you know, cause we got bills and stuff that we got to pay. So we, we, we go through it and we're digging, you know, we checked our wallets, checked our, our emergency cash fund that we keep and all that other kind of stuff. And we're like 20 bucks shy. So we're like, okay, it's not a big deal. I'll get cash out of the bank on the way. Well, we're sitting in line at the bank and I was going through a wall again and she magically finds 20 bucks and we're, we're doing well. If, if God's we going to make penny. that happen, we might as well just keep rolling with it. So we, we, you know, we got our 500 bucks and we went down there and we started the process. Well, the first batch that we made, I, at this point, I'm so nervous and she's so nervous. She doesn't want to talk. She's a very modest, humble, quiet person. She does not jump out, especially with stuff like this. I'm the person that does the talking. I'm the person that negotiates, that does. And I'm sitting there and I'm hyped up because we're doing it. And I'm like, it's great. It's awesome. I love it. Let's call it good. Well, we get it home. We let it sit for a couple days. And they give you, they make basically a double batch. Well, our batch makes about five jars of salsa, five or six jars of salsa. So we've got, you know, basically 12 jars of 16 ounce jars of salsa sitting there. And we started eating on it. This is the day goes by and something ain't right. We said, oh, we'll put it in the fridge and let it sit. Another day goes by. All right, still ain't right. So this goes on for about a week of us going back and forth, calling some of our friends. Hey, can y'all come try this? We have, when we get a new product, we have a salsa tasting party. So some friends from the neighborhood come down, some friends that have been our friends for years will come and, and they'll come try it. And I, we invite them because we know because they're our friends, they'll give us an honest opinion because I can think it's the greatest thing. You can think it's the greatest thing, but if somebody's not honest with you and tells you the truth, then you're throwing, you're throwing stuff on the wall and seeing what sticks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they came down and said, no, it's not right. It doesn't taste fresh. It doesn't taste like the fresh. So we go, we decide to go back. And, and when you sign up for this R&D thing, they give you three, three times to adjust the recipe and get it right. So the second time we go down, we say, okay, um, here's what's wrong. We need to fix it and, and go from there. So we get there. And we start going through the process again, adding ingredients, um, texture, taste, you know, all of those things. And, and we've got the consistency right and the flavors. When you make fresh salsa, fresh salsa tastes better. It tastes differently fresh than it does once it's sat. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So we get, we, you know, when we get it, it tastes, it tastes awesome. It tastes just like the fresh one and we get it made. But then we take it home and we let it sit and it's not right. We go through the same thing again. We call our friends over. We do. Well, Sean, at this point, what is it that's not quite right? Well, so it's got it's got too much tomato or not enough garlic or the cilantro flavor is not as proficient as we need it to be. Sorry, I guess I could have been a little more descriptive. No, no that's okay. I was just kind of curious as what, you know, I mean, because, you know, you taste something, I taste something, you know, it may be taste right to me, taste wrong to you or vice versa. I was just kind of wondering what, you know, if it was a consistency or what it was that might have had it, you know, kind of had well, a second guess in there. Yeah, yeah, no. I, so the first time we had consistency issues, we had an over-heavy tomato flavor. Um, we had a few other things. The peppers weren't right. Cilantro wasn't right. So we went back and we readdressed these same things in the second batch. Well, in the second batch, we made it. The cilantro was better. We changed the type of garlic that we were using, the amount of salt that we put in. Um, citric acid, for instance, is a is an acidifier that helps keep the pH below the certain guidelines that have to be related to for the state, which is uh, 4.2. So we got, you know, we thought we got everything right the second time. So we take it home and we eat it, and the tomatoes, the, the tomato piece is heavy. The cilantro isn't as pronounced. You know, some of the same issues that we had. So we're back for the third time. And, and this is all in the span of about a month and a half. You know, because you want to give it time, let it rest, mm-hmm. you know, try it, warm it up, get it cold, you know, go through all the things that people do when they eat salsa. Or I guess all the things that we do when we eat salsa because we're kind of chips and salsa people, I guess. Um, so we go back the third time. And at this point, citric acid was involved. The process of the cilantro, fresh cilantro smells different, tastes different than when it's cooked. When you cook cilantro, it loses some of its potency. So we're, we're sitting there trying to figure all this out. We decide that we're going to, we're going to dial back on, on the citric acid. We're going to, Increase the amount of cilantro per batch that we put in, or per the the amount of cilantro per batch that we were going to put in, and then increase the amount of garlic. So we've got all of these things in motion. We get it, and it's like spot on. We're like, this is the best stuff that we've had. It's probably the closest to the fresh regular that we've had. I mean, I I really think that we've got it. Where we've got the we've got that lion again. Or that tiger, we got that tail again. And so we go forward and we get a batch made. And we didn't get a small batch made. We got 200 gallons made. Ooh. And, and just for reference, 200 gallons is about 1700 jars of salsa. Well, in the process of getting that batch made, we found some production issues that neither one of us first called. The packer didn't see it. We didn't see it. But they hand jar everything. So every jar of salsa that's made for us is hand jarred by a group of people that work in that plant. Um, and it's well taken care of. The problem is, is the amount of time it takes to jar a batch of salsa. 
Okay, so the longer um, so, it sits, yeah. So in you're between the first about, jar to the last jar, seventeen hundred jars, there was some change in consistency, or no, there there was a ch- change in flavor. So the first part of the batch tasted good, the second part of the batch did not. So you're talking about two different flavor experiences over sixteen hundred jars of salsa, or seventeen hundred jars of salsa. Wow. So when we got into it, we started looking at it, and when they hand jar that stuff, you're talking about 200 gallons of salt of, of a tomato product that's at 195 degrees, that's sitting in a kettle, that's essentially as they're pouring it, it's still cooking, right? Yeah, still getting. It's still getting. It's still getting cooked. So it takes about 45 minutes to jar from start to finish a 200 gallon run, right? Well, in the process, that overcooking of the tomatoes and the cilantro, it just, it, it took that recipe and it just kind of made it not right. So when it was neither one of our fault, it was kind of a, you, it was a learning by mistake. Yeah. Trial and error. You know, yeah. Trial and error. You don't learn unless you, unless you do it. Well, sometimes you learn hard and that was a fairly large hurt. However, the Packer being the, the high-standing guy that he was, he said, look, here's what we'll do. Since neither, it's not right, we know it's not right. You know it's not right. We're going we're gonna to see if we can make this right. So we worked out a deal to where we would still attempt to sell it, but we weren't going we weren't gonna, we weren't gonna, to um, promote our brand. So we, we're in January at this point. So we haven't sold salsa since September. And now we've got 200 gallons of product that's not right. How am I supposed to give that to the public that's asking for this stuff, right? Yeah. Well, it, that's where almost came into it. And, and you may see some stuff online or you may read if you guys pay attention to our social media. We had, we had almost Irish salsa. We called it almost because it was almost Irish salsa. It was almost right. So we got, we got this almost salsa and we took and we we put it we put it out there and we said hey guys look we got some salsa it's not right we know it's not right well we're gonna give it to you guys anyway we're just gonna go straight to consume it well the community and and friends and family were gracious enough it took us about four months to sell all that salsa but we finally got rid of all of it but we took that hit and we rolled forward so about april Iron and I scraped up enough money that we could reapproach the salsa situation. So we took and we went back to the packer, went back through another R&D session, and we started working on salsa 2.0, I guess you could say. So we got through and we, we went over the way that it was cooked, the way that it was jarred, all of this kind of stuff. And all and you know, Ira and I are still working full time jobs. This is not a we're not just doing salsa only. Our daughter's playing softball. You know, there's particular animals that are, are tend to be hunted during that time of the year and everything else. So while we're working on this, we start sending it to people. Hey, try this, let me know what you think. Try this, let me know what you think. I probably sent out Two or three hundred jars of salsa, just to random people, people that I didn't even necessarily know. You know, some of them are are people that I have I have no 
friendly ties to, no emotional ties to. People I, you know, I sent, I sent some to Ryan Bassam, and I sent some to Spencer Halford, and I sent some to all of these people. Just tell me what you think. You know what I mean? And yeah, we're starting just, to gain traction online. Hey, you know, this stuff's pretty good. Where can I get more of it? Well, in, in, at this point, we're going, hey, just be patient. We're working on it. We're working on a website. We're working on ways to get it to the public. At this point, IRAs has become a IRAs DBA. We filled out a DBA, and IRAs also became a a viable company. Um, we started working with the FDA to get all of our FDA compliance stuff done, so that you know the nutritional facts on the side of the label on anything that you buy in the grocery store. There's a whole lot of work that goes into that. We did not know that. <laughs> When, yeah, your label guidelines in general, like, you know, what the label has to have on it, we didn't know. You know, so we're flying by the seat of our pants is the best way to put it. We got um, we got some direction from the packer after the first mishap of salsa. You know, we're missing this. We're missing this. We need to get these kind of things. You need to get a barcode. You need to get this. You need to put your address on it. You need to, you know... Do you have it on Facebook or you on Instagram or, you know, all of these things you know nothing about. I mean, I'm a guy that fixes things for a living. So coming into this blind is, has been an adventure. But anyway, we get back to it. We get the new stuff out and we've made, we only made 60 gallons, which is about 650 jars of salsa. I know I'm kind of all over the place. I'm sorry. That's how I operate. Anybody that knows me personally knows that I'm I'm kind of all over the place all the time. Squirrel. Yeah. You said it to begin with, squirrel. So we we start moving forward with the website. And I, I built the website um, myself. I, my background is in telecommunications. That's what I do for a living. That's my everyday job. And my wife works for a child advocacy group. So salsa is not our everyday thing just for reference. But we got the uh, we got the new salsa made. We got it and we tried it and it, and it was perfect. Couldn't ask for it to be any better, unless it was cold. And a lot of people don't realize that when you buy salsa, don't just take it and open it. Take it home, get it cold. It thickens up. The flavors are more pronounced. It just becomes a better thing when it's cold. And if you remember, that's what I told you when I gave you those two jars. Oh yeah. And that's exactly what we did, and and I sent you a picture. My uh, my son or stepson Luke, I told him I went back there and got him. I said, "Come here." I said, "I got a buddy's got some salsa out." I said, "We're gonna we're gonna give it a test and give me your honest opinion." Well, by his third bowl, I didn't need his honest opinion anymore. I, I knew he when he kept going back and kind of looking to see if I was going to cut him off. It's like, no, go ahead. You good. But that's dinner for tonight. Go ahead and mark that one down, bud. So yeah, you got a thumbs up from him real fast. So, well, we got that. So the regular we've had since April of this year. So April, April 9th. No, excuse me. Yeah. April 9th, which is, Iron Mind's anniversary, our wedding anniversary, was the day we got our first product. 
that was correct that we could move forward. Um, and at this point, we're not in any stores. We're not – the website's up, but we don't have – all the shipping stuff figured out. Shipping is another nightmare, but we've, you know, we're, we're getting there. The, and this really, this whole process really speeds up because of COVID. In April, we got salsa, we got our salsa delivery. We went and picked it up, you know, and at this point, COVID had really been, I guess we had really been shut down for about two weeks at this point. Well, we get, we get our salsa and we take it home. We got, 50, 50 some odd cases of salt. We said, okay, let's see what we can do. So we went out to the farmer's market. And at this point, the farmer's market was still moving like it normally did. COVID hadn't affected it as much as it would later on. So we start selling and people are coming. Hey, you guys are back. This is awesome. They're picking up salsa. And then it's, hey, where's the hot and extra hot? Well, we don't have those yet. All we have is the regular. Well, in that same time frame, um, we started getting phone calls and a guy, a guy, um, that owned a shop in Joaquin, Texas, um, called Worsham Grocery and Field, which was through a friend of ours through our church. Um, her dad owns a grocery and feed store and he said, Hey, I'll take some to sell at my store. Okay. Awesome. So we, we drive down there and we're super proud at this point because we finally we're in a store. We're yeah, not first location. selling out of the we're not selling out of the back of our truck. We're not getting flagged down, you know, when we're at the grocery store because the truck the salsa truck is not it's not a a uh it's a very unique looking vehicle. So it's it's easy to spot in, in town and a lot of people know who we are. So that, you know, it was a kind of the first stepping stone. Hey, this is really awesome. We're in a store, you know, and it was just like, it was like a light switch got turned on or the water faucet got turned on. People started messing us, messaging us from all over the place. It was like, boom, hey, can we put salsa in our store? Hey, can we put salsa in our store? And before we know it, inside of a month, so we're in, we're in May at this point, we're in 10 stores. And it's little mom and pop places. It's, you know, a boutique or a feed store or, um, a, a grocery store kind of mom and pop kind of grocery store kind of thing. Well, then we, uh, we started talking to some people and they put us in contact and we had been contact with Brookshire Brothers, which Brookshire Brothers is a big chain out of Lufkin. Mm-hmm. They have about 125 stores. Um, kind of all over. If you look at I-20, they're south of I-20 in Texas and, and Louisiana. Um, I think there's one in Lake Jack, in Lake Charles, I mean. Maybe one a little bit further east, I'm not sure. But anyway, we started dropping samples off at the corporate office saying, hey, try it. If you guys like it, we'd love to partner up. Well, long story short, we uh, we partnered up with them. And they put us in one store as a pilot test, um, which is the gaslight location that you guys will see if you look on our Facebook and stuff that we're always at. Um, we put a, they asked for a display. Okay. Well, I, I'm not a woodworker. I'm not a carpenter. <laughs> none of these things. So, uh, okay. What kind of display do we need? Well, we needed to, you know, hold X amount of product. We needed to, you know, have these kind of things on it. Like, okay. 
So I start calling my buddies. I'm like, hey, dude, I don't even know how to do any of this. You know, can y'all help me out here? Um, and I call, one of my buddies that comes and tastes when we uh, when we have our tasting parties, he came out and he said, I can build it. Let's get it in and see what it does. Well, our I'm trying to figure out the best way to put a sign on it, you know, that says Iris Salsa. And I reached out to somebody because I thought laser engraving would be really cool. Somebody took a piece of wood and laser engraved our logo. It's really intricate. It's awesome. It's vintage looking. It's it says Texas when you look at it. You're like, that's that they're from Texas. Sadly enough, it does say homemade in Texas, but that's neither here nor there. So I, I talked to a guy by the name of Jacob Heyer that um, foul weather custom duck calls. And I said, hey, man, I, I noticed that you do an engraving thing. Would you mind, you know, engraving our logo for us on a piece of wood? And he goes, sure. What kind of wood would you like? And he, what can you get? I'll take whatever. And how much is it going to cost? So I sent him I sent him our logo and he, you know, he, he messaged me and he's like, well, we could do this and this and we need to take these things out to make it really look right. So I said, okay, whatever you think we need to do, I just need it. And at this point, I'm scratching my head going, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. I don't know where it's going to come from. You know, you got all those doubts and, and things going on in the back of your mind. I am crazy. Why are we doing this? And uh, he sent he sent me a picture of what it turned out like. And I, I lost it. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. This is awesome. So I, I had him make two. And I never thought one store, one store, we're never going to, this is never going to be a thing. So he, he sends them to me. I think it cost me like 75 bucks. And we put it, we get it, we we get it, we put it on the display, and we're like, man, the display still doesn't look right. And it's all white, or it's all yellow pine at this point. So we're sitting there looking at us. My Ira looked at me and she said, it looked really cool if it was burned. I said, yeah, I bet it would. So we took and we burned, you know, burned, took a torch and burned the display. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, well, you just spent all that money building this pretty display. It's got this pretty sign on it, and then you're going to light it on fire. Well, that's pretty much what happened. Once again, squirrel. So we get it, and we get it, we get it all burned out, and I'm looking at it and going, man, this is looking pretty good. I like this. It, it says Iris Salsa. And she's going, man, I don't know. So we, we, we get it and we finish it up and sand some spots down that, you know, make them stand out, make them pop. We get it polyurethane and we're like, man, this is, this is pretty sharp. And at this point, I was on board with, she said, I really like it. Let's go put it in. So we make this whole big deal about her and I going to put this display in and delivering our first product. And at this point, Everybody that I know that at Brookshire Brothers is on board. We're all, we've all discussed it. Everything is good. I get to Brookshire Brothers. They did not know we were coming. They didn't know the product was supposed to be there. They didn't even know where the display was going. A little communication error. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So we get, we get, you know, long story short, we get everything situated. We talk to the lady at corporate office. We talk to the store manager. We get the display in. And I, I'm super pumped, and and you guys have seen pictures of it. I, it's pretty cool looking. But we get it in, and, and it, the display holds seven cases of salsa, which is a lot of salsa. And I'm going, there's no way that this is going to sell quickly. We put it on Facebook. They sold seven cases in a day. Oh wow! And we're not we're not on the salsa aisle. 
we're not in the we're not in the front of the store. We're on the back of the freezer section next to frozen pizzas. <laughs> You're going, who would even look for that? And we, we posted on Facebook, hey, we're in such and such a store. Here's the address. Here's the hours. Here's where we're located in the store. Well, the, the manager called me back that night. He's like, hey, we got to get more sauce in here. I was okay. The next day I went and delivered seven more cases. I filled the display up. I wasn't worried about back stock or anything like that. And they sold out in two days. So, and this is starting in June when we picked up with Brookshire Brothers. Well, in the first two weeks that we were in Brookshire Brothers, they sold probably about 50 cases of salsa, which is insane. So that just Brookshire Brothers, we sold 50 cases of salsa. I called the packer and I said, hey, we need to make another run of salsa. How quick can you get it? He said, well, it takes between three and four weeks. I said, well, can you get it to me next week? And he kind of laughed and he goes, I don't know, but we'll see. So we come in there and, and he, he gets the batch made. He calls me. It's four days after I call him. He's like, we had all the ingredients on hand. We got it made. It's here. It's ready. You ready to come get it? I'm like, yeah. Okay. Well, I haven't told, I hadn't told anybody, but the Brookshire brothers were agreement that we had. Everything was 30 days out. So, you know, we're not getting paid for 30 days. So we're just front and product to do this. So it was working, which is great. I'm, I'm happy that we're in Brookshire's. We get that, we get all that worked out. We start getting, uh, we start getting our, our cooking and our salsa packing down to a science. Like I call them, they get it made. They started doing a, a fast pour, which means they taste, basically take everybody that works there, every single person, including the office personnel. They put them out there and they start pouring salsa. They can pour a 200, 200 gallon batch in about 15 minutes. Instead of the 45 minutes. minutes. So that gives it more time to cool and seal and, you know, be safe for consumption. So now we're in three Brookshire Brothers stores. At this point, we're in, uh, we're in the gaslight location. We're in Chestnut and we're in a little bitty gas station style grocery store that's right down the road from us. And we've started expanding out of state. Salsa's become so popular that they're starting to give us more. We're starting to get more and more people from all over the country asking, you know, hey, where can we get it? So our our step forward now is expansion. We have a store in Corinth um, through a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Webb. Mm-hmm. He got us in over there. And then um, Old Bart, which is Old Bart Southern Eats out of Greenbrier, Arkansas, is cooking and carrying Irish salsa as well. Um now we we didn't we I don't know how much time we have left we probably don't have much Couple but minutes. we just got off the line about a month ago we just got our hot which is a mixture of the the hot and the extra hot that we had originally and Jacob you had it is fine oh that's, it's fine that stuff is good that's what that's what Luke gave you the bigger thumbs up on he liked a regular but he's he's kind of like me he likes spicy. Now I'm you've got me more curious on the extra hot now, but uh Well the next time I come that way I'll bring you some, but that's kind of an invitation only thing these days. <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're well, working no, on we're I'm working on a few things. Next. I'm hoping that in the next couple of months we're expanding in Brookshire Brothers, um and starting to work our way start, starting to work our way east so that we're in 
we're in more stores. I, I've got some, you and I have talked about some things. I've got a couple of interesting things happen in Mississippi and Alabama, and we may be working on HEB next. That could be our next big thing. That would be awesome. Um, there's more to the story, and I know we're short on time, but appreciate you guys letting me come hang out because salsa is kind of interesting. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride, and it's slowly becoming something that we never expected. Well, this has been one of those stories that I wanted to hear and wanted our listeners to hear because, you know, we do a hunting and fishing <laughs> podcast. And what we haven't told on here yet is that's how we actually got to know each other was through a, a previous deal on hunting and fishing that has led to, a, you know, a friendship for us going this way and to be able to hear your story and, you know, st- something that started off as, you know, your wife wanted or girlfriend at the time wanted to, you know, not have to go buy salsa to now you're you're producing your own salsa that is growing into... How many gallons a week are y'all running now, Sean? Uh, uh, let's see. I've got. I think I just. I think I just shipped out ten gallons this morning. Yeah. So I mean, you went from doing a gallon a month, maybe, to now you're doing. Uh, we yeah, we went from probably doing a gallon a month to probably doing. We're probably doing a hundred gallons a. I'd probably say 100 gallons, 150 gallons a month now. Yeah, that's a, that's right a about. pretty big jump up, especially counting all the hurdles. And like you said, a lot of the stuff came about or the distribution stuff came about because of COVID. You know, with so many stories of people going the other way during the COVID deal, y'all's actually, it actually helped y'all decide you had to do things a little different. It's made you jump some hurdles maybe yeah. a little earlier than you would have otherwise oh yeah there's a whole nother I, I tried to i tried to compress it and i started getting long-winded but there's a whole nother dynamic with hunting and fishing part of it that ties to you know how salsa how we got salsa in other people's hands um and even you know part of that group that we were a part of it helped helped move it forward um from an aspect of maybe maybe this isn't just a Texas thing. Maybe this is something that we could do everywhere. Well, I tell um, you what we'll do, Sean. We're we're running short of time on here. Uh, you know, normally with the radio spot, we got to stay in a certain time. But what we, oh yeah, if you've got time in the next week or two, we'll come back and revisit it. And uh, yeah, for sure. And, and we'll throw in because we hadn't talked anything about hunting or fishing yet. So uh, <laughs> no, this was all salsa. Yeah, I say this this was all salsa, and then we'll do a a, a two point or an almost IRA. We can we can do the next one and uh, we we can kind of hit to where how the hunting and fishing community kind of helped this expand and and everything that you've got going on in the hunting and fishing community. I know you've got some cool stuff coming up through duck and goose yeah. season. Yeah, we've got some interesting into. things coming up, but yeah, we can we can definitely do this again. I, you're not going to hurt my feelings a bit. All right, brother, we'll do this before we get off here. Tell everybody where they can find you at because that's what we want. Oh. Okay, so you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Iris Salsa. That's I-R-A-S-S-A-L-S-A. You can find us online at irissalsa.com. Um, we are located in Lufkin, Texas, and we have 18 stores in Texas right now, two, one in Corinth, Mississippi at Second Amendment Outdoors, and one in Greenbrier, Arkansas with Old Bart Southern Eats. You can find us online. If you have any issues or questions, you can email me or call me. 
um, Sean at irissalsa.com or 936-674-9244. All right, buddy. Look, I appreciate it. Y'all, we want to thank y'all for listening, and this is another episode of Outdoor Country Talk. Thank y'all, and God bless. <laughs> Oh, get your shine on